Welcome to Grace Community Church On Demand, the weekly podcast from the Sunday services at Grace Community Church in Rupert, Idaho. Here at Grace, we believe in building the kingdom of God one person at a time. We're passionate about loving God, loving people, and following Jesus. Let's get into this week's message with Pastor Travis Turner. All right, so today we are in, I think this is like the sixth or the seventh message of healthy choices and while today doesn't have anything to do with kale carrots or exercise i want you to know that there are choices that you make that uh that will determine the person that you will become in fact i i I haven't seen this shirt yet but i know that they're coming the choices that i make determine the roads that i take how do we say it we say listen you are today where you are because of the choices that you've made in the past right? It's your choices. It's your decisions. If you're not happy with where you are today, then the good news is, somebody say the good news. The good news is, is you can make better choices today and it will determine your location tomorrow. And, and that's how it works. You can make better choices and you'll, you'll end up in better places. And so Today we're talking about a choice that's a very important choice, a choice that all of us need to make, but most of us fail to make. And I've titled today's message, Choose to Chill. Choose to Chill. It's kind of just a fancy way of choosing to take a day of rest, right? We're supposed to take a day of rest. We'll dive into that a little bit more. But this topic is a topic on rest. Somebody say rest and recovery. How many of you know that rest and recovery is very important? How many of you are just killing it in the area of rest and recovery? Said only a few people out of the whole bunch of us. Like, like, like I, I know how important this is, but I'm a doer, and so, so there's a lot of things that get done. I want to be the first to tell you that there is more to do than your life will ever allow. There's more to, like, you'll never accomplish all that needs to be done. So somebody say, God's way is the best way. Studies show that people continually choose employment over enjoyment. They choose to, they choose to uh, work instead of, instead of play. Some are so tired today that you're already planning your nap for tomorrow. You know what I'm saying? And I don't know about you, but every Sunday I get a nap every Sunday. And if I can squeeze one throughout the week, I'm over 50 now. And so if I can squeeze one in, in throughout the week, you better believe I'm doing it. I'm doing it. Some of you are blessed. You can nap every day. And I envy you. I envy. I know we're not supposed to envy one another, but I envy that you get a chance to take a nap every day. I'm coming. And so Job chapter 20 and verse 18, it says it like this. People are unable to relax and enjoy everything that they've worked for. Isn't that the truth? One of the things that we talk about a lot here at Grace Church, and it usually um, it's usually from a slant of of living open handed instead of close fisted. It's usually talking about living the generous life is is I will ask people, okay, listen, if you're not generous, how much is enough? Like how much do you have to earn? How much do you have to collect unto yourself before you start living the generous life? How much is enough? And the truth is, if you're not faithful in the small things, it doesn't matter if you become a millionaire, a multimillionaire, 
you're, you're probably not going to live a generous life because it's, it's, not a, it's not a person that has plenty that is generous. It is a person that has the, uh, a heart to, to be generous. It's a, it's a person that has the character. It, it has nothing to do with how much you, you have. And so, so this is what I would also say. How much is, is enough? You know, how much work can a person do in a day before they, they say, okay, that's enough. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna rest. I'm gonna give time to the things that matter, like my family and time to the Lord, and I'm gonna get into my Bible. You know, I hear all the time because I ask all the time, hey, Ashley, how's your relationship with God? And you know what the answer is? 10 times out of 10, could be better. Everybody, it's a knee-jerk reaction. Hey, Jordan, how's your relationship with the Lord? Could be better. Well, what does that mean? It could be better. Well, I could spend more time with him. I could get into his word a little bit more. I could worship a little bit more, you know. And so if it could be better, why not just make it better? Right? Like how much is enough? How much, you know, do we need to produce in a day before we begin to take rest? So many today I've found also are in an emotional deficit. Why? Because we're too busy. Guess what people group is at the top of the list of being too busy? Moms. You know why? You know why moms are at the top of the list? Because they go from, they go from home to the car. They go from the car to the job. They do eight hours, 8.6 hours. I'll, I'll talk about that here in a little bit. They go from the job back to the car and they go from the car to the kitchen. And then they go to sleep and they do it all over again. Moms, you got to learn how to take a break and to take some rest. And, and, and while there are a lot of men that step up and also help with the laundry and help with the dishes and help with the... We got a lot of those men here today. Silence. We got one right here. We got one. <laughs> I'm just telling you that, 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 that something's going to give if you don't create space to take a little bit of rest. And so busyness is not the issue. How many of you know that God wants us to be productive in our lives? Like he really created us to produce. You know what I mean? To build, you know, to, to carry out vision. And so the problem isn't busyness. The problem is our inability to refuel. The problem is our inability to do what it is that God has outlined for us to do. To live how it is that God has outlined us for us to live. Acts chapter three and verse one, the book of Acts, it says, one day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. A man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple, gate called Beautiful, where he was put there every day to beg from those that were going into the temple and coming out. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. That's what he does. He shakes his cup and he says, hey, alms for the poor or, or hey, do you, have some, do you have some money? And so he's there doing what he does. And Peter straight looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said something to him. He said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention expecting to get something, probably to get some money or some, or some food. He said, look at us. So the man turned, expecting to get something. 
And then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. Now, now if you go on, you find that this is, a, this is a healing story. This is a miracle story. But what I want to do is I want to drive your attention. Somebody say, pay attention. I want to drive your attention to, to, to what they said. They said, listen, I can only give you what I have. I can only give you what I have. And I'm telling you this, if you continue to burn the candle at both ends and you continue to try to give what you do not possess, which is rest, something is going to give. And I don't know how your something shows up, the symptoms of your something, but for me, I get irritated really easily. Like when I don't have my rest, when I don't, when, when I'm not, when I'm not taking time to refuel, like I get, I get, I get a short fuse. My short fuse comes back. I've never been accused of being the most patient person, but I do have a pretty good amount of patience when I've got my rest. But I'm telling you this, that that's one of the things that show is irritability. Another thing that show is, is if I haven't had proper rest is I may be present, but not present. Like I could be here, but I'm not really here. Like you might be talking to me. My wife, she'll be like, have you heard a thing that I've said? I'm like, oh yeah, 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 of course I have. Can you just repeat it one more time? So it shows up and it, 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 these are symptoms that you're not getting these are indicators that you may not be getting the kind of rest that you need to get. Some of your issues in the home, and you can act like you've never fought with your wife. I love, I love visiting with those folks. You know what? We've been married 32 years, and we have never had an argument. I'm like, do you have two houses on your property? Do you retire, you know what I mean, you to your quarters and her to hers? You know, and God bless you if that's the case, but I'm telling you, somebody asked me, Jeff Sigmund asked me the other day, do you and Tina fight? I said, we fight good. <laughs> we fight good. Like, we know how to get it. I'm saying this, that, that some of your issues may not be because of him. It might not be because of her, some of your issues may be simply because you're not getting the rest that you deserve, that you need. And so when you're irritable, right? When somebody's on your last nerve or there's a, a last nerve that's exposed and, and really nothing has happened, probably a pretty good indicator that you're not getting the rest that you need. You have failed to chill. Daniel chapter five and verse one, this is the handwriting on the wall scripture. All of you are very familiar with it. Old Testament, Daniel chapter 5 and verse 1, it says, King Belshazzar gave a great banquet for a thousand of his nobles, and he drank wine with them. While Belshazzar was drinking his wine, he gave orders to bring in the gold and the silver goblets that Nebuchadnezzar, his father, which was the king, a predecessor, his father had taken from the temple in Jerusalem. See, this is during a time in... Uh, in Israel's history where they were taken for seven years into Babylonian captivity. Babylon is modern-day Iraq. That's the region um, uh, today. And so they are, they are captive. They've, they've, they're slaves in a foreign land for seven years. And uh, King Nebuchadnezzar had, had taken these gold and silver goblets and a bunch of other things out of the temple 
and, um, and was using him for, using them for his own pleasure. And so King Belshazzar says, listen, bring the goblets and uh, his nobles and the wives, his wives and concubines, they began to drink from them. So they brought in the gold goblets that had been taken from the temple in Jerusalem and they drank from them as they drank the wine. This is very key, it says, they praised the gods of gold and silver, of bronze and iron, and of wood and stone. These are six things that have to be harvested by a man's hands to bring into your possession. And so they turned these little, these, these, the god of gold and silver and wood and bronze, and they turned these items that were created by the one true living God into gods, little g gods. They began to, they began to worship them. What I want you to know is these items had to be harvested. They didn't create them. They just had to harvest them. And so I'm telling you today that if you are work, 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 and no play, then you, my friend, may have found your identity in what you do instead of who it is that you belong to. I can tell you this, even pastoring a church, like this is a calling of mine. I am in my calling. I am walking out my calling. But my identity is not being able to stand up in front of you 30 minutes and give a, a message, you know, two times a Sunday. Let's, let's not lie. An hour, two times a Sunday. <laughs> two times a Sunday. Like this isn't my identity. My identity is who I am in the Lord. And your identity is not that you're an accountant or a banker. Your identity is not that you're a farmer. Your identity is not that you're a, a car salesman. Your identity is that you are a son and a daughter in God, in the Lord Jesus Christ, amen? And so if we're not careful, we begin to worship what we do instead of who we are. And that's exactly what is represented here today. If you are overworked and never rest, you may be praising and worshiping your own efforts. The Bible says, suddenly the fingers of a human hand. Now listen, these folks had a lot to drink. I've drank a lot in my past. I've never seen a human hand appear out of nowhere and begin to write on the wall. I would probably quit at that moment. Suddenly the fingers of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall near the lampstand in the palace. The king watched it as it wrote and his face turned pale and he was so frightened that his legs became weak and began to have fellowship one with another. His knees became so weak that they began to knock against each other. And then it goes on to say the king summoned the enchanters, astrologers, and diviners, and said to the wise men of Babylon, whoever reads this writing and tells me what it means will be clothed in purple and have a gold chain placed around his neck, and he will be made third highest ruler in the entire kingdom. And so, listen, I want everybody's attention just here real quick. I believe this, my friend, and I love you. Receive what I'm saying. I believe that the handwriting is on the wall for many of you today. I believe that the handwriting is on the wall. You continue to do what it is that is not working for you in expectation that somehow, someway, someday it just might. And I'm telling you that God's plan will always be the best way for you. 
And if you have gotten comfortable at burning the candle at both ends, the handwriting is on the wall. You should adjust quickly. You should adjust quickly. There's a study that's recently come out that people are working harder than ever. Imagine that. People on average are working 8.6 hours a day, not for five days a week, not for six days a week, but for seven days in a week. The average, that, that means that there are many people that are working 12 and 13 hours a day. There are many people that are working a little bit less than that, but the average is 8.6 for seven days out of the week. We've been comfortable burning the candle at both ends. Daniel 5.25 says this, this is the inscription. How many of you want to know what was written on the wall as these people were drinking out of goblets that they shouldn't have been drinking out of? The, the hand appears, it starts writing. I would have my full attention on what was being written. This is the inscription. Many, many tekel parson. Many, many tekel parson. Daniel 5.26, this is what the words mean. Many means this. M-E-N-E means God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. Can I get your attention just real quick? Everybody eyeballs up here. I want you to know this, my friend, and I love you very much. God has numbered your days. You may think you're 30 years old. You've got a good 60 more years to live. I'm telling you this, God has numbered your days. The truth is, is I hope you live a healthy, happy life and you're well into your 90s. Like, I hope that for you. But the truth is, is that you may not be here the rest of today. God has numbered your days. Your days are numbered. I wish every single one of you could have a near-death experience like I have recently had because there's, a, there's just kind of an awakening that takes place that we spend an awful lot of time on things that really don't matter and not enough time on the things that do. And so when you know that your days are numbered, it raises two questions. Number one, how much time do I have? Well, good luck with that. Good luck with that. How much time do I really have? I'm telling you, we are the celebration of life church, or let's just be honest, it's a funeral church. We do more funerals than any other church in this whole valley. I guarantee it. We do a ton of celebration of life services. And all of the time, all of the time, especially whenever somebody is younger, man, I can't believe it. He was just in his 30s. Man, I can't believe it. She was in her 20s. I can't believe it. This just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense because we are under the, 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 the misunderstanding that we're all going to live to 75 and a half and die in our sleep. But I'm telling you, life happens. People get calls all the time where life is cut short. So we can spend a lot of our time asking, how much time do I have? But the qu better question, do I have your attention? The better question is, is what are you doing with the time that you have? Because if you are living foolishly, putting off and wasting your days today for something wonderful that might happen tomorrow, that is a foolish, that is not a wise way to live. And I see it all the time, man. Work, 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 work. 12 hours, 13 hours a day. Why? Well, I got started late in life in retirement. Let's guess what, pal? You may not make it to retirement with the way that you're living. And so I'm telling you that you are given today. Can't do anything about yesterday. Tomorrow's got enough issues of its own. How 
are you spending this day? How will you spend today? Not tomorrow, but today, right? We do baby dedications. All of the great ideas, I wish they came from me, but they didn't. Most great ideas come from my wife, or, or this great idea came from, from uh, Courtney, our children's pastor, and Ashley. They had got together, and they said, hey, listen, this would be a really cool thing to do. When we do a baby dedication, we do a lot of baby dedications too, right? When we do a baby dedication, let's give the family a jar full of marbles. I'm like, cool, what's it represent? Well, a marble represents one week of that child's life. And so we'll count them up. We'll do all the work, but we'll fill that jar filled with marbles so that, so that whenever that kid turns 18 and it's representative of that child moving out of the house, any, anybody close to 18, let me just hit that real quick. Or if you're over 18 living at home, let me just hit it real quick. It's representation of you, of you taking the next step and, and spreading your wings and, and, and flying. I hit it hard enough. Okay, all right. The idea is, is that marble represents a week. You take a marble out a week, and at the beginning, it seems like, man, you got tons of time with that kid. Well, wait until that child is eight years old, nine years old, and half the marbles are gone. And then wait till that child is 13 and 14 years old. It looks like you've only got a few marbles left. I'm telling you, what it does is it makes you to pay attention that the time that you have is short and it's limited. And you've got to create that child. You've got to mold and make that child into something that is going to produce and contribute and be good on their own two feet when they leave the nest. How many of you know, parents, the idea is for the kids to be raised up so that they can leave the nest and be productive, right? That's your responsibility. Train a child in the ways of the Lord. When they're older, they will not depart from it, right? But we've got to teach them working skills, and we've got to teach them. we just got to help them to prepare. Okay, Job 9.25, my days go by faster, he says, faster than a runner, they fly away without my seeing any joy. This is a symptom of life being done wrong. When you are living your life and joy has left the building. If, you are, if joy is gone, you're probably not taking the rest that you need. Psalm 39.4. This is either written by David. My Bible says David. But if you really study this out, there's many people that feel like Moses wrote this. Doesn't matter. Both of them are pretty powerful people. And it says this, Lord, remind me of how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered and that my life is fleeing away. My life is no longer than the width of my hand. An entire lifetime is just a moment to you. Human existence is but a breath. You're here one day and you're gone the next. It's like a vapor, right? So, I've got some questions for you. These are questions that you need to answer yourself. Please don't answer them for your husband or your wife or your children. Please no looking around when I'm asking these questions. I want you to sit forward, straight forward, and think your answer in your own head. You online participate as well. What would life look like if I only had 30 days to live? What would my life look like if I, if I went to the doctor and they said, Mr. Turner, you know, I know you feel all right, but you've only got 30 days to live. Like, like, what changes and adjustments would I make if I was living 
my last 30 days starting today? What would I stop doing? Let me ask you this. What would you stop doing if you only knew you had 30 days to live? Maybe even a more important question is what would you start doing? Did somebody, did somebody say I would stop dieting? Did I hear that over here? Yeah. I would stop dieting. I would stop dieting. I would like just indulge and you know what I mean? I got 30 days. What would you start doing? What would you start doing if you only had 30 days to live? And the idea is that if you would stop some things and start some things, then it's probably good to stop some things and start some things right now because the truth is, is you don't know how much time you have to live. This is signs of, of insufficient rest. Do you use your days off to catch up on work that has not yet been done? Do you use your days off to catch up on work that has not yet been done? You may have insufficient rest. Do you feel guilty? This is a big one. Do you feel guilty when you relax? Like if you're just taking a break, if you're just like, man, I just don't feel like doing it. Then at the end of the day, do you feel guilty about, about that? I can see by your faces that touched somebody. There was, a, there was a lady that called into her pastor on Monday, and she called and called and called, and she couldn't get a hold of her pastor, and so she was a little bit perturbed, and Tuesday came around, and she called first thing in the morning. She's like, don't you check your phone. She was really just getting after him. He says, I'm sorry, ma'am. You know, uh, uh, my, my day's off are Monday. And she's like, well, she just gave him a real jab in the gut. She's like, well, you know, the devil doesn't take a day off. <laughs> <laughs> and the pastor said, yeah, you're right. And if you don't want me to turn into the devil, you'll give me my day off, you know. <laughs> and I'm telling you, sometimes ministry leaders and people that do good things like volunteer work and things like that, you know, you're doing good things. You're making a big difference. Sometimes those are the people that are the worst at taking time off. So the second warning is this, tekel, it says Daniel 5, 27, tekel, tekel, I don't know how you say it, but it's tekel, 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 <laughs> says you've been weighed on the scales and found wanting. It shows us how easy it is for our lives to get out of balance, right? And, and, and I, am a, I, I can attest to this. I've set out on many things. One of them is is like health and fitness and weight loss. Like, like when I'm on point, I'll drop the weight, but then it's so easy for my life to get out of balance. I'm an emotional eater. A lot of emotions are tied to pastoring. Next thing you know, I'll, I'll have not only put on the 15 pounds that I lost, but I've, I've put on another five more. And so this is a, an ebb and a flow, you know, for me. But it's easy for your life to get out of balance. And, and we can say things like, if I was going to come up to, to somebody, let's just say Andy, right? Andy, I'm just going to use you. I ask Andy the question. I'm like, Andy, what is the most important thing in your whole life? And let's just say Andy says, man, that's easy. My family is the most important thing in my entire life. There's nothing more important to me than my family. But yet, if I follow that up and I say, okay, Andy, what do you do, you know what I mean, to invest in your family? And it really just messes them up a little bit. And I, 
This is not him. I'm just using him as an example. I, I don't know anything about, but I'm just saying that if, if, if he is not investing time and in creating space, you know, to, to give that, that personal time to the thing that, that means the most to him, then it, it's true in his mind, but he's not following out in his actions. And I'm just saying this, that we have to be people that ask ourselves, what is the most important things in my life? And then you create space to make sure that those areas are getting the time and the attention that they need. Amen. There's a lot of people. This is what I'm saying. There's a, there are many people and it's not because they're lying. It's true. What they're saying is true. But they've just, they, it's so easy to get out of balance. It's like, yeah, man, you're right. I haven't been. Like, I haven't, I'm not really supporting what I say is important. You know, man, my time with God, my walk with God is just everything to me. My life became something when I surrendered to the Lord. Oh, yeah, how much time do you spend in personal study in the day, in the Word? Well, uh, here, ooh. Man, how much time do you just turn on worship and then worship in the house? He, ho, he, ha. When was the last time that you just went and served and, and, and gave the Lord credit for it? He, ha. Right? So, let me ask you another question. What's the greatest thing that you do that's wasteful? What do you do that wastes time that's not really producing anything? Right? Just a couple of facts here that I thought was interesting. A person in their 74 years of life will eat out 20,436 times. Over 3,000 of those times, McDonald's. <laughs> a person will watch 10 years of television in their 74 and a half years of life. A person, and I believe that these numbers are shifting and changing. I think this next one is going up and the television one is going down. But people right now are spending on an average of nine years of their life on their telephones. I think it's more than that, honestly. And people spend one year of their 74 and a half years just searching for things that have been lost. A whole year has been spent on that in a person's life. So what's the third warning? The third warning, some of you, it's probably two or three years. I, you've always lost something. It's like, anybody ever do this? Hey, have you seen my glasses? I just had them. I just. What is? Oh, okay. All right. Where's my phone? My. So the third warning is parson. It means divided. Daniel chapter 20, uh, 5 and verse 28. Your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. I want you to know that this actually happened. You can read about it. It was divided. And so how do we prophetically apply that to our lives today? A mismanaged life will cost you greatly. If you mismanage your life, it will cost you greatly. I've got a good old Arkansas friend. You all know him. We got to bring him out here one of these times. He's the king of one-liners. He said, now, Travis, he said, he said, he said a lot of things, but he said, he said, Travis, when you monitor and measure the things that matter, the things that matter, they always get better. So when you pay attention to the things that matter in life, the things that matter always get better. The problem is we don't pay attention often enough to the things that truly matter. Many end up in a place where it's too late. 
It's too late to make changes. It's too late to have a, a, a better turnout. Some marriages, unfortunately, by the time that we hear that a marriage has struggled, she's already moved out of the house, and now he's willing to do whatever it takes to restore the marriage whenever it should have. There should have been some effort into the restoration of a marriage way back here instead of way up here, right? It's the same thing. They call them stage disease. What's, it, what's the number one stage disease that we know of? Cancer. You got first stage, second stage, third stage. And we always hate it whenever we hear, man, so-and-so's just been diagnosed with cancer. I don't know about you, but I'm like, what's the stage? And we hate it whenever there's a fourth stage because that means that we've waited too long to identify that there's this sickness, this illness, this problem, this disease in a person's life. Whereas if it would have been, if it would have been found out earlier, your chances go way up of helping it, right? Stage disease. Now, I do believe in a miracle-making God that doesn't matter if there's stage four anything. God is a miracle maker and he's able to do great and mighty things. Luke chapter 20, verse 34, it says, and this is Jesus. Jesus says, be careful, your hearts will be weighed down with dissipation. Dissipation is the same word as evaporation. If I had a cup of water up here, you would not be able to see it evaporating, but it would be evaporating right before your eyes and you wouldn't even know about it. Give it a day, it's gonna have less water in it than what it has whenever I, give it a week and it's gonna, it's gonna be significantly less than, than, than when I just set it up here and nobody's messed with it. Drunkenness and the anxieties of life and that day will close in on you unexpectedly like a trap. So what do we do? We follow God's recipe to chill. I'm gonna hit these real hard because I ain't got much time if our worship team can come up. We have to take a day of rest, and I'm telling you, it doesn't have to be a certain day, but make it a day every single week. Make it a day. Take a day off, and guess what? It's not called the Sabbath hour. It's called the Sabbath day. Take a whole day. See, some of us, like I know how we think. It's like, man, I'm gonna take my Sabbath, I'm gonna go to church, and then I'm gonna get X, Y, and Z figured out and fixed and worked out whenever I get home. That's not a Sabbath day. That's a Sabbath hour and a half of your time, right? Hebrews 4.9 shows us that the Sabbath is even for us today because it's New Testament scripture. It says there remains then, remains mean it was before in the Old Testament. Now it also carries over. There remains then a Sabbath rest for people, for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just like who? Just like God did. Just like God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following their example of disobedience. Who's the example of disobedience? Come on, the children when they, when they weren't able to enter into the promised land because of their lack of faith, right? God had a desire and a plan for them to get there in days and it took 40 years, right? So what's God's plan? Number one, turn aside daily. Turn aside from your work, your responsibilities daily and get into God's word and, and get into God's worship and spend time in prayer and invest in the things that matter, that have an eternal significance. Like if you're the number one sales person of the stuff that you sell, 
That's going to have zero significance in eternity. Nobody's going to say, here's your plaque, man. Here's your little crystal that you won. You know, your little salesman of the month. And God bless you being a great salesman and working hard. But I'm telling you, brother, you got to disconnect from your job and invest in what matters most. There are things that matter most. And it's funny because, you know, some people probably think I'm confused because other sermons, I'm like, listen, if you ain't got a job and a purpose, get a job and a purpose. Don't sit around and play video games all day. So I know that while I'm speaking to a group of people that don't know how to turn it off, there's also a ton of people who's like, yeah, pastor said rest. Just, I'm taking every word that he said today. I'm going to work for two hours and then I'm going to spend the rest of my time resting. <laughs> Matthew 6, 11, give us today our daily bread. This isn't something that we approach a month at a time. We approach it daily. God's plan is always one day at a time. One day at a time. Number two, walk away weekly. This is what you're doing. You've walked away from your job and your heavy schedules. Hopefully, you'll walk away weekly, taking one day, not going back and just busting it out for the rest of the day today. Take a nap. Invite some friends over. Spend time in the things that matter. Share your life with your family. Get, 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 a, get a pulse on how people are doing in your family. Share your things, your stuff, your meals with somebody, right? Play cornhole. Exodus chapter 20 and verse 9. You have six days to do all the work that you do, but the seventh day is the day of rest and it belongs to me. Rest your body, focus your spirit, rejuvenate, recharge your soul. First years that I was here at Grace, I don't know if Brandon's in this service. Brandon Gee was my youth pastor, and, and, and this is before this was built, and we were in the old building, and we were renovating. We would do a full work day, all day, everything that needed to be done, and then we would call it burning the midnight oil, and we were scraping popcorn off of the whole children's wing, and we were repainting walls, and there were times where we were so tired, we would fall asleep at the wayside eating pancakes at six in the morning because we'd been working all night. I'll never do that again. I will never allow one of our staff to do that again because even though we got a lot done, it certainly wasn't worth it, right? It wasn't worth it. Number three is vacate annually. Even when you can't afford it, get away. Somebody might say, I can't go to Mexico. Well, go to the mountains. I even told this to our first service. I've got, it's nothing special. It's nothing special, but I got a little tent trailer that if you need it, you can have it. You can use it anytime that you want. You could come pick it up, go up to the mountains, spend some time with your family, the only thing that I ask is clean up your mess because I don't want my family to mess in your mess whenever I take it out. 
But I'm telling you, it doesn't take a lot of money to, you know what I mean, to, to unplug. And when you unplug, truly unplug, I'm not saying don't check your phone, but my goodness, don't treat your phone like you have to have it every place that you go. You may not be able to go to Hawaii, but you can stay at the old hacienda. They call this a staycation, right? Where people like, I'm going on vacation. Everybody thinks you're out of town, but you ain't. You're just at home with the blinds shut, the windows drawn, Netflixing, or whatever it is that, 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 that you want to do. But it's very, it's very important. There's a story, and I'm just going to close with this, a story of, uh, of two... two um, Lumberjacks. Lumberjacks. Right. There you go. I was like log men, yeah. people that cut stuff. You could see you were looking yeah, for. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Listen, I was I like first service. So no. I was thinking like woodsmen. That would have that would have worked. <laughs> Thank you for that. You totally threw me a life vest. I was like people that cut stuff. <laughs> you got John and Peter, and these are the finest woodsmen lumberjacks in the whole area the whole county and so they want to find out who's number one and who's number two so they get together and and they have this competition they're working a whole day who can cut down the most trees and so they start out strong about an hour goes by hour and 15 minutes man they're just working they can hear one another and john's like "Ooh, i heard peter stop working and for about 20 minutes you know, it was just in complete silence. And then all of a sudden, there's two of them chopping it away. And, and every hour and 15 minutes, Peter would stop and he would, he would rest. And so John would work all the harder. And he's thinking, man, I got this thing in the bag. But at the end of the day, even though John had worked an hour and a half more than Peter had worked, Peter cut down more trees. Because in that 20 minutes of him resting and relaxing, he was also sharpening his axe. And I'm telling you this, that this is a biblical principle. I'm going to give you the scripture here in just a moment. But you lie to yourself and you tell yourself that, you know what? I can get more done if I work harder than the next guy. If I work more than the next guy. And the truth is, God's way is always the best way. And that lie will just get you in the grave faster than anything else. We got people all the time that are now dying of heart disease and heart attacks at 40 years old. Are you kidding me? Because of stress, because of, because of no rest. Ecclesiastes 10.10 says this, if the ax is dull and its edge is unsharpened, more strength is needed. Matthew 11.28 says this, and Jesus is saying it. Are you so tired? Are you worn out? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. See, some of you need to recover your life here this morning. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I want you to know this, that if you're far from God this morning, the Lord is near and present. It's like anything else. You can repent of working so much and not trusting God enough. You can repent this morning if your job has become your identity. You can ask God to forgive you if your job, what you do, has become a little g-god in your life. And it's become more important than anything else. You've, you've sacrificed your family. You've sacrificed your time with the Lord. I'm telling you, a repentant heart is just a matter of just saying, God, 
please forgive me. I need to redirect. It's the same way with me. When I get 40, 45 pounds overweight, over my, over my area where I'm comfortable being, then I make, I make adjustments. And that's all it is. It's making adjustments. It's making adjustments. And I'm telling you, the best thing that you can do is ask God to forgive you of your sin. Say, listen, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to take my day of rest and I'm going to invest it into you and I'm going to invest it into my family because I trust your way is better than mine. Amen. You believe that? You cannot, you cannot enter into God's rest if you don't know the Lord. How do you know the Lord? You believe in your heart. You confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. And then the Bible says, you will be saved. So if you're here today and you've never asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins, to come into your life, to be your Lord and Savior, I encourage you. Like this is the best decision that you can make. The folks that were getting baptized today, I was able to say this is a wonderful, the best decision you can make entering into these waters of baptism. When you ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins, guess what he'll do? He'll forgive you of your sins. He'll come into your life. And just like me, you know what I mean? When I surrendered to the Lord, I was in a jail cell in Boise, Idaho, just got picked up with a DUI, completely inebriated, said, God, if you can do anything with my life, you can have it. And immediately the Lord changed my life. And it's that, that decision back then has brought me to where I am here today. He loves me enough to do that. He loves you just the same. God bless you. That's it for today's teaching. Hey, here's an idea. Share today's message with a friend or family member. If you're listening from outside our fellowship, we'd love to meet you. Visit graceid.org and hit the contact form to get in touch. We'd also love for you to join us. You can even check us out on Facebook Live by searching Facebook for Grace Church Rupert ID. Learn more and plug in at graceid.org. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Grace Community Church. 